And so friends, we're now into the third week of our look at the book of Haggai in the Old Testament, this prophet who speaks to God's people who have returned from exile and he's encouraging them to get on with the job of rebuilding the temple. It's been destroyed 70 years before, prior to Haggai, by the Babylonians who looted it and razed it to the ground before carrying the Jewish people off into captivity. Some 50 years later, Cyrus, the Persian king, had a fight with the Babylonians and won, bringing the curtain down on the Babylonian empire. King Cyrus allowed the Jews to return home, and 50,000 of them did just that. They built an altar and they reinstated various religious festivals, but 20 years after they came home, the rebuilding of the temple was no further forward. And so the book of Haggai begins, as we heard a couple of weeks ago, with some tough words about priorities and obedience. We then read how people respond to God, they responded to God's call with awe and with reverence, and they begin to work on the temple again. We explored last week how in the midst of all of that, God encourages them with the promise that God is with them. And so this morning we come to the third instalment of our story, and we're now in Haggai chapter 2. Now, about a month, we think, has probably elapsed between the end of chapter one and the beginning of chapter two. Chapter two begins with the people in the midst of a very busy festival season that they'd reinstated, even though the temple hadn't been completed. Now, they'd already marked the festival of trumpets. And I mean, why don't we have a festival of trumpets? I think there's something we should be instating in our calendar. Um, And for them, this was the start of their religious festival season. And that in turn was followed by the Day of Atonement and the Feast of Tabernacles, which is a festival where people spent a period of time in tents, remembering uh, the time that God's people spent in the wilderness and how God called them out of Egypt. Now, During the festival season, much of the rebuilding work would have been put on hold. However, during the Feast of Tabernacles, they would have been faced with the incomplete temple as each brought their tithe to worship. Um, as part of the feast. Now we're told that chapter 2 begins with the 21st day of the seventh month, which is a significant day in the people's history, because it's on that very day, 430 years earlier, that King Solomon had dedicated the original temple to God. So I want you to picture the scene. The Jewish people are penniless and unable to give their offering. They're festivaled out. They're staring at a pile of rubble. They're feeling more than a little disheartened because it's into that context that Haggai speaks and these opening verses of chapter 2 are all about perspective. God is saying how the people need to have a right view of where they are now and most importantly a view that uh, somehow has within it this idea that things aren't quite as bleak as perhaps the people think they are. Sometimes we can work ourselves up into a mindset, can't we, where everything just looks negative and all we see is doom and gloom and it takes somebody else to come alongside us and encourage us with a different way of seeing things to help us move forward. This is effectively what God is doing for the people through the prophet Haggai. In verse 33, in verse 3, rather, Haggai asks, does anyone remember this house, this temple in its former splendour? How in comparison does it look to you now? It must seem like nothing at all. Now, I think it seems like a bit of a strange question, a strange way of speaking, 
Because if I was going to want to encourage someone, I wouldn't necessarily begin with how good things used to be. It's the equivalent of telling someone whose house has just burnt down that their house really was lovely before the fire. So when God speaks through Haggai, uh, and it seems with these odd things to say, um, I'm not sure how that's going to jolly the people along. What a cheery fellow that Haggai is. We must have him round to tea, always reminding us how things used to be better in the old days. But there is, in fact, a good reason for why God is speaking to people in this way. God wants them to acknowledge what they are thinking in the depths of their spirit and to get a better perspective on the situation because they can't deal with it until they're willing to acknowledge how they're thinking and feeling. Does, does anyone remember this house, this temple in its former splendour? How in comparison does it look to you now? The number of people who could physically remember what the temple used to look like would have been very small. Anyone remember it would have had to have been in their 90s by now. I think God is doing more than talking about their physical memory of the building, but rather tackling nostalgia and helping them to reassess their current context. You see, nostalgia can be very seductive. It can make our current circumstances seem a whole lot worse than they actually are. And it can make us believe that certain people or certain events are the key. Sports fans are the worst at this. Even as a Spurs fan, I hear so much people going on about Ozzy Ardelis and Ricky Villa from the 80s or Bill Nicholson from 1961. That was a long time ago and still this great nostalgia remains about the good old days. And whatever the context, we can look back at a, in a time of transition and say, wasn't it lovely when so-and-so did this and that? Do you remember when it was like this? Ah, oh, those were the days. Friends, nostalgia is only seductive because it leads us to seeing things with rose-tinted glasses. The good old days weren't usually that good when we were in them. The important thing to remember as we look back is that before any of the thriving or failing of anything and anyone, there has always been a great God. And this is what God is trying to get the people to understand here in Haggai chapter 2. God is calling them to reflect back, not to depress them, but to remind them that before the great temple in the time of Solomon, there was still God. It's calling them to look again and to gain a different perspective, to be inspired and encouraged. They're being told to look back so that they can now look forward, trusting that that same God who was there at the beginning is still with them now. God is still on the throne. God is still in control. God hasn't finished with the people. God encourages them to look back at their history and their achievements so that they may be inspired and encouraged. The God of the first temple of creation itself is still here and what God has done once God can do again and the glory of the present temple can be greater than anything that has gone before whatever issues each of us are facing whatever is worrying us we're being encouraged here through the prophet Haggai to remember that God is still God and God is with us and so the encouragement continues, verses four and five. 
But now the Lord says, be strong, Zerubbabel, be strong, Yeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people still left in the land, and now get to work, for I am with you, says the Lord of, the, the Lord of heaven's armies. My spirit remains among you, just as I promised when you came out of Egypt, so do not be afraid. This encouragement to be strong is an encouragement which would have been familiar to the people going back to the time of Joshua, where a number of times in the book the people are encouraged, Joshua is encouraged to be strong and courageous. And in Deuteronomy 31, verse 23, God says, Be strong and courageous, for I am with you. God's reminding this group of people of a promise that had been made to their ancestors when they were called out of Egypt. Get back on with the work of rebuilding the temple because I am with you. Come on, let's go. What more do we need? It's so helpful to remember what God has done for us in the past. It's a real gift for those amongst us who keep prayer journals and diaries because we can go back and see uh, how God's faithfulness has unfolded. When we feel discouraged, we might look and see that God has blessed us and that we're not alone. It's remembering my favourite line in the hymn, Amazing Grace, is where we sing about uh, how God has brought us safe thus far and that grace has brought us safe thus far and grace will lead us home. Of course, as we explored last week, the name given to Jesus, Emmanuel, literally means God with us. Jesus is the ultimate fulfilment of this promise. And at the end of his earthly ministry, Jesus again reinforces this, making this promise to the disciples, including you and me, where he says, I am with you surely to the very end of the age. When we're at the point where we just can't see where God is, we don't sense how God is at work. When we feel alone, when looking around, life doesn't seem to point towards God being alive and active. We remember verse 5, my spirit remains amongst you, just as I promised when you came out of Egypt. So do not be afraid. God's spirit remains with them. God is saying to them, when you were taken into captivity, I didn't leave you, I went with you. When you experienced persecution, discouragement, tough times, I didn't turn away, I was there as well. I never left you and I'm with you now. So take courage. And so after a challenge to their perspective and a reminder of the awesome promise that God is still with them, we have this amazing prophecy in verse 6 to 8 that God will provide for the temple. It says, For this is what the Lord of heaven's armies says, In just a little while I will again shake the heavens and the earth, the oceans and the dry land. I will shake all the nations and the treasures of all the nations will be brought to this temple. I will fill this place with glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord. God is going to do something. God is going to personally take care of what is causing God's people to be discouraged. What they don't have, God ensures them will be provided. The silver and gold is and all that God has and that needs to be brought in will be there. God will provide. And you know, within months of this prophecy, Darius, who's now king, paid for the entire expenses of the building of the temple so that the Israelites had all that they needed to build and furnish it. 
about 60 years later, another king, Artaxes, gives them treasures for their temple. All the stuff that had been carted off before and more besides is given back. God provides. The temple that they're working on, which seems so meagre in comparison to the one before, has now become even more glorious. God gives a look into the future to say that what they're starting on now will be better than what they had before. They're in this transition period where it looked good and then things have been difficult for a while. They're transitioning, but now they're going to be coming into a new way, a new age post the exile with what they thought was going to look worse. It's now going to look even better. There's lots we could say about this looking into the future, about God's sovereignty God's control over the nations, about God's ability to provide. But I wonder if today the central thing for us here is to be encouraged and to do what we can to encourage each other. Friends, it's so easy to become discouraged as people of faith, as a community of disciples, just like these people were, even in a time of flux and transition, perhaps especially at a time of flux and transition. If we're honest with ourselves, there's always these moments where we feel that we don't have all the resources to do what we think needs to be done. And it is a disease of our age that we permanently live with this scarcity in our minds. We always need more in order to be able to do things. We never have enough of anything anywhere. Finance will be an issue. There'll always be gaps, um, even in church life, where we need volunteers for certain things. And we can become discouraged that we're not able to do everything and be everywhere. And when we look back at uh, what has perhaps happened in our past or we look to what happens elsewhere, it's tempting to yearn for the good old days or to be in a different place. But God says through Haggai, we must be strong and stop fearing failure and keep working even when we don't think we have the resources to make the big splash that we'd like to make. God loves calling us to do things beyond our limitations because that means God gets all the glory when things come into being. I don't want to be part of a generation in 20, 30, 50 years time that has to tell our children and grandchildren that it was all too difficult, too uncomfortable, we were scared, we didn't have enough people, we didn't have enough faith, we weren't willing to try. I want us to be able to tell them that God was with us that God equipped us, that God empowered us, that God honoured us. And as we stepped out in faith, God made us strong and made a way possible and we gave God all the glory. Will we step out in faith and give God the opportunity to tell us, be strong, keep going, I'm with you. That's the challenge from this passage today. I hope that we'll rise to it. Let's pray together. And so, Lord, we want to trust you more. Help us to journey beyond the familiar and into the unknown. Give us faith to leave the old ways and break fresh ground with you. Lord, we trust you because you are stronger than the storm and you are gentler than the breeze. We believe that you are our future. To focus our hearts and minds on you. Strengthen us with your blessing. Teach us to live with eternity in view and tune our spirits to the music of heaven. Somehow, by your grace, would you make our obedience count for you? And this we pray in Jesus' name.